0: church family. Uh, this is uh, a new week and a new chapter in the book of Ezra. Uh, We're t- going to go through Ezra chapter 7 today, which is actually one of my favorite chapters of uh, not this book, and, um maybe even the Old Testament as a whole. Uh, I think because it really um, speaks of one individual that, that has this devotion to the Lord. And we see this, uh, the appearance of Ezra here. And just uh, if FYI for you, I've actually preached on um, one verse in this chapter. Uh, it's on our website if you just look it up. It's it actually preached in the can see service as well. Um, but it's basically I think it's called like uh, how to be a better disciple of Christ or something like that. Um, so this, if you've heard that message before, this might sound similar, um, but this will, it's going to be a little bit different, obviously, because whereas that one I only preached one verse, this one I'm actually going to teach through the whole chapter. And uh Ezra chapter seven um, happens uh sixty years after um, the uh, chapter six after the last chapter uh, so today we're going to just going to walk through this text and then tomorrow and the throughout the week, we' just talk about some applications uh, but for now, I'm just want to just kind of give us a big picture of what the, what's going on in this chapter before we dive into the application you know it's chapter seven verse one now after these things um most important, as I just said earlier, these things meaning like, uh, everything that happened, uh, in the end of chapter six, uh, if you recall, uh, this book is really about uh, how God sovereignly, uh, use, um, people uh, to bring about his promises, he does so by making a promise, a prophecy to Jeremiah that they will be uh, gone for the Israelites will be exiled for seventy years, and after seven years they will return back to the land. And Ezra chapter one begins that story. In chapter one of Ezra, uh, the people uh, get get a proclamation from Cyrus to return. In chapter two, uh, there's a census of the individuals that went. Um, in chapter three, they worship the Lord uh, and um, start beginning uh, the temple. And then from four to pretty much uh, six is 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 work. The people were working in the temple or working for the temple, uh, but it was halted at some point, and um, and uh, they needed uh, encouragement, and they got that from Haggai and Zechariah. So uh, by the end of chapter six, they finally finish, and uh, sixty years later, then chapter seven begins. Uh, so, when is it after these things that's what it means all things happen in uh chapter one to six uh but not only that I said last week that in between Chapter six and seven is actually the book of esther so uh if you if you actually uh, <coughs> if you haven't listened to it, uh you just feel free to go back and I just know that uh chronologically it's just right in between. Uh, chapter 6 and 7. It's kind of like not exactly right between in the sense that there's time like overlapping at, at points, but you'll you'll recognize certain characters, mainly um, Artaxerxes. Um, so, chapter 7 now, after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, there went up Ezra, son of Sarai, son of Azuhai, son of Hilkiah, uh son of Shalom, son of Zadok, son of Athtub son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of uh, Meridoath, son of Zerahiah, son of Uzi, son of Buki, son of Abushua, son of Phinehas, son of Eliezer, son of Aaron, the chief priest. Uh, so this is really cool because um, this th- this is actually the only uh, Old Testament figure that has so much um, genealogy attributed to him individually. Ezra is... Um, Special in that way. In fact, he's he's probably one of the most compelling figures in the post-exilic time, and, and some would argue the entire. Body. Maybe second to Moses, he's a major he's a major figure because he's actually been called the second Moses. Uh, and what's cool is that he doesn't even show for most of this book. Sixty years of that, that has passed, and that means that uh, Haggai and Zechariah have already died. They've 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 been long gone, and there's really just one other prophet um, afterwards, and that's Malachi, uh, but Ezra is really one of the final figures of the Old Testament. Um, there were different uh, <coughs> actual biblical sources that claim uh, that, that uh, Ezra was really the one that compiled uh, the rest of the Old Testament. Um, he's one of, the, one of the final priests there, and he has this unique uh, role in, in all of history uh, in, in compiling uh, uh, most of the Old Testament. Um, yeah, there aren't that many left, and then once it gets to um, 400 uh, BC, that's when there's that the, the 400 years of silence. So that he's like the last guy before that time. Uh, he doesn't get; he's not a unique person that in that he gets like some sort of special revelation, but he's just a faithful individual. We see that at verse six: This Ezra went up from Babylon and he was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses which the Lord of God, uh, which the Lord God of Israel had given and king granted him all that he had requested because the hand of the Lord uh, his God was upon him uh, what is so cool is that this first he's known as skilled in the law of Moses this is an idea that he was quick uh he he understood what was um uh, what was going on? He knew what God's word has to say. Uh, he knew how to apply it in, in God's word, uh, God's word in, in life situations, and he was also a scribe, meaning that he uh, he, he he knew he uses his job to like write down um, uh, you know, things of the, uh, the Lord. And um, he was also uh, where he was also, he was also like a public figure. You'll notice that he said the king granted him. Uh, he he somehow had some sort of reputation. To the outside world, uh, that made him have an audience with the king. Uh, he asked the king uh, for something, and the king actually granted him. Um, that means he was some sort of a, a good citizen. Uh, he was mainly faithful to the word, and he was faithful in his, in his task. And what a testimony for us when we think about how we engage the world. All of us are um, are, are going to be engaged or work for non-believers. Um, and to some extent, you know, I mean, I'm a pastor, obviously, so I'm working with Christians, but, um, you know, our boss, so most of us, uh, if you're not in pastoral ministry, you're going to be working for a non-believing boss uh, or or with non-believing people. Um, at some point, people are going, going to recognize you for what you do. Are you, are you going to... Uh, are you, are you distinct in that way? Um, do you live and compose yourself in such a way that gives honor to the Lord and even non-believers can see something special about you? Ezra was that kind of guy. Verse 7. Some of the sons of Israel and some of the priests and the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers and the temple servants, went up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes Ar- and came to Jerusalem the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. For on the first of the first... Four- for on the first of the first month, he began to go up from Babylon. And on the first of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem because the good hand of God was upon him. So there's just some traveling time in between leaving Babylon and arriving at Jerusalem. Verse 10, um, for Ezra has set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. So what's unique about him is that he is someone that's going there to teach Israel Israel. Um, all that there is to know, there needs to be, all that there is to know about God's word. Um, and he was faithful in that way. Uh, he, again, he's someone that has uh, special genealogy, as you see earlier. Um, that means that he has, he's actually the right priest. Um, he, he He's descendant of the very first priest, um, he's son of you know, Aaron. Uh, he, he's under that line. So that means God has uniquely placed him in a situation where He's he actually has, the ability to do the job as a priest when he gets back to, to, uh, to, to Israel. Uh, but also he was there because he needs to teach God's word. The priest is not just strictly people that offer sacrifices, but they're also in charge of teaching God's word to his people. Um, Ezra is someone who set his heart to do, to learn, to study God's word, and then to practice it and, and apply it to his own life and teach other people. Uh, that's what's unique about him, that he, he did things that are very normal to us, if We think about our own life. This is the life of the Christian as well. We study God's word, we practice it, and we teach others uh, the statutes and ordinances. Verse eleven. Uh, now this is the copy of the decree which King Azra- <coughs> King Artaxerxes gave us, uh, gave to Ezra the priest, the scribe, learned in the word of the commandments of the Lord and the statutes of- to Israel. Artaxerxes, the king of king of kings. Now, this this phrase, king of king, has appeared a lot in, in um, the Old Testament, and even, uh, Dan- I think Nehemiah calls uh, Areserxes that as well. But this isn't to say that, like, um, they think that this is like like Jesus, king of king kind of thing, or God, king of king, but this is just like a general term, just speaking, okay, of all the kings that are living right now, you really are the best king, and that's what Areserxes was. And, and um... Uh, he conquered all of these different places. Uh, he, he's the one who conquered the Medes and then the Babylonians. So there's no other, it's like the most of the known world was taken by art by um, by our Xerxes. So they, he called himself king kings uh, and others even call him that as well. but, it, but it's it, it sounds offensive to us because we usually attribute that to Christ and that is true. We should be offended by that. Uh, but you just know that sometimes even um, Jews uh, would would call, people king of kings. Daniel does the same thing uh, back in uh, in, the, in the book of Daniel. He does, he does the same thing He called people the king of kings. This isn't an act of worship. It's just, it's just um, a way of just recognizing uh, the competency and the ability of the king. Um, they are just the king of kings to Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law uh, of the God of heaven, perfect peace. And now, I have issued decree that any of the people of Israel and their priests and the Levites in my kingdom who are willing to go to Jerusalem may go with you. This sounds familiar because it's kind of like in the beginning of the book of Esther. I mean Ezra where uh, people were, gave, were given the charge to go. If you want to go back to the land, go. And that's what is happening here again. Verse 14. For as much as you are sent by the king and his seven counselors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of your God which is in your hand, and to bring the silver and gold which the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel whose dwelling is in Jerusalem, with all the silver and gold, with which you find in the whole province of Babylon, along with the freewill offering of the people and of the priests, who offer willingly for the house of their God, which is in Jerusalem. With this money, therefore, you shall diligently buy uh, bulls, rams, lambs, with their grain offerings and their drink offerings, and offer them on the altar of the house of your God, which is in Jerusalem. Whatever seems good to you and to your brothers to do with the rest of the silver and gold, you may do according to the will of your God. Also the utensils which are g- given to you for service of the house of your God deliver, the full, deliver in full before the God of Jerusalem the rest of the needs of, uh, for the house of your God for which you may have occasion to provide provided for it uh, from the royal treasury. So this is amazing. Again, uh, God's providence in working through wicked kings uh, to provide the means for the for for the believers here to worship the Lord. That's what's going on here. Verse 21. I, even I, king, I issue a decree to all the treasures who are in the province beyond the river that whatever Ezra the priest scribe of the law of the God of heaven may require of you, it shall be done diligently, even up to 100 talents of silver, 100 cores of wheat, 100 baths of wine, 100 baths of oil, and salt as needed. Whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be done with zeal, for the house of the God of heaven so that there will not be wrath against the kingdom in, of the kings and his sons. We also inform you that it is not allowed to impose tax tribute to toll on any of the priests, Levite, singer, storekeeper, uh, Nithinim of servants or servants um, of this house of God. So not only is the king saying that the Israelites have all these uh, financial means to be able to sacrifice a God, but they're not allowed to be taxed. There's a protection um, for them to practice their religion, um, and there's always the question of why? Why is he doing this? Why is the secular king doing this? Um, well, uh, the main, like uh, the big picture, is because God, God is working in the life of of Artaxerxes to do stuff like this. But there's also a historical reason as well. Hist- historically, um, Artaxerxes two years before this event, uh, I, I think I said in the Book of Esther too. Uh, Xerxes or Artaxerxes, is somewhat, they're one in the same. Uh, at one point, they actually went to war with Egypt and they lost. And um, what? Uh, it, and remember why I said I think if you were listening to it, there, was scene, there was a scene where um, Artaxerxes was so upset that he took his coat and started beating the ocean, uh, and then he got so tired that you know he almost fainted. He fainted doing it, and the people brought him back. Um, so he, out of like pride and um, wanting to give stability because they, you know, they lost the war. Um, He wanted to do some sort of nice gesture to kind of give uh, um, calm to the land. He didn't want the people to say, oh, well, we lost a battle, so let's go rebel against uh, um, uh, our Xerxes. Instead, he tried to do something uh, like a nice gesture to kind of calm the people down so that they can still have faith and trust in our Xerxes as a leader. That's one of the secular reasons, but even that, those events have to play. Those secular events have to play (laughs) take place or for this event here to happen. we we'll see God's sovereign hand in it, and that's something that we can uh, rejoice in, um, because we'll see how this event connects to uh, our salvation down the line, how everything here is part of God's working. The seemingly small secular detail is actually uh, what's needed um, for, for the coming of our Savior. Uh, verse 25, you, Ezra, according to the wisdom of your God, which is in your hand, appoint magistrates and judges that they may judge all the people who are in the province beyond the river, even all those who know the laws of your God, and you may teach anyone who is ignorant of them. This means that, um, our is actually saying, the Torah is now the law of the land. Uh, he's giving them beyond the river, this, this one little province here, that's you know, where Jerusalem's at. You can freely teach God's word to those who, uh, who worship you and those who do not know you, who are ignorant of these things. Um, and, and verse 26, whoever will not observe the law of your God and the law of the king, let judgment be executed upon him strictly, whether for death or, by, or for banishment uh, or for confiscation of goods or for imprisonment. So this isn't like, uh, this is strangely kind of like how, um, you know, when Constantine in his history, when he became king, he made like Christianity the the main religion of the area. This is kinda like that, uh, but without the, um, but without similar in that way that a secular person would um, that would allow it. The difference to Constantine is like they make it the religion of the land. This one is just saying that you're allowed to teach it, but if those who 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 are against your god, and which is mainly uh, the reason why they could do this because to create the king, then they need to be punished for it. So you know Ezra. It's really uh, shrewd in that way, because remember, they're, they're trying to give some stability in the land. Ezra discerned the time. and He was able to figure out, um, hey, hey, king, let me, allow me to go back and visit my people. And because of Ezra's um, standing in the culture, he was able to um, have so, so much blessings, even from uh, secular kings. So the, they're able to teach uh, God's law openly and, and there's punishment for those who choose to go against uh, Yahweh. Um, and again, this doesn't mean that Artaxerxes becomes some sort of worshipper of the God of Israel. He's just doing these things, again, for more political reasons, but even those the things that's um, in their mind is for their own selfish gain, God actually is actually still using it uh, for ultimately his purpose. Verse 27, Blessed be the Lord, the God of our Father, who has put uh, such a thing as this in the king's heart to adorn the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem has extended loving kindness to me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. Thus I was strengthened according to the hand of the Lord, my God upon me. And I gathered the leading men from Israel to go up with me. So this is the journey. That, uh, uh, this is before the journey that, uh, um, that Ezra goes on before Jerusalem, he gets all this kindness uh, from the, from from a pagan king. Um, he's thankful to the Lord. He he, know, he can see that it was God's hand in all of these things. So what does this mean for us? Well, this week we're going to look at uh, well, what kind of person that God uses? God uses Ezra mightily. Don't and, and I would. And I wonder, even for us, is do we want to be used mightily by the Lord? Do we want to be a people uh, that each and every single one of us, do we want God to do something extraordinary through us? Well, if that's something that you have in your heart, uh, then this chapter have a lot of principles by which we can live by so that they could come to place. I uh, have three uh, points this week, and you can think about it as, as we <coughs> move towards it. <coughs> what kind of person does God use? First, a person with godly character. Second, someone that, uh, that 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 acts on uh, that you know they have godly actions, uh, and third, there are people who, who trust in a good God. Those are the three uh, kind of general attributes. I know they don't rhyme or anything like that, but um, these are just the three general principles by which we can, if we exercise these things faithfully, the Lord will use us in ways that are um, that's that's just uh, that's extraordinary. And I hope that that's a desire for all of us—that we don't waste our life, but to use, but to be used by the Lord for His glory. Look forward to the study with you all. Um, have a good Monday. Take care.